need a new, um, I'm overdue for an eye exam. And um, so I have to go do it and get my eyes got really bad this year. Like last like four or five months, like it got really bad. Like, like my eyes have always been bad and I had LASIK and then, um, you know, LASIK's not going to be perfect forever. Right. So then I, so then I still like need glasses, but it's like not nearly as bad as it was before I got that LASIK. So, and you know, as you get old and I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm getting old, <laughs> what, 48, what is that whole day? 48. <laughs> So like my eyes are going to go. Right. And, um, they went from like what they were to like my, my reading glasses ability. Like it went from, well, okay. When I'm sitting down at the computer, I need computer glasses. Let me read it to, I went from that to, um, I need a pair of reading glasses on every level of the house plus my purse. Oh yeah. Um, in, in like a matter of months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I'm always like, and I'm trying to figure it out. Cause then, and then I'll take my contacts out because my contacts are not as like good as my glasses, but like, they're not great anyway. So if I don't wear my contacts, but just wear the glass, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are trying to upload our first video version of the podcast that we recorded with Wes Schultz from My 600 Pound Life. And we released the episode, the audio episode like normal um, on Friday. And then we um, have the video version that I'm trying to upload, but because I'm like a solid Gen Xer, YouTube is not quite like I'm not real YouTube literate so trying to upload it and then I there's there's a break I have to edit out and then it's just a mess so trying to upload that and get that sorted so that you guys can always have video of us yay good job (laughs) on all your hard work (laughs) the what good job on all of your hard work getting the episode out oh we got yeah had a life mate got it got it done when he got to home from picking up the kid and it's out so if you guys haven't heard it yet please go listen to our episode with Wes from my 600 pound life that was this week's episode of my 600 pound life he was phenomenal on the show and our podcast episode is unbelievably awesome um so inspiring so heartwarming and hilarious um so uh, probably one of the best interviews we've uh, we've ever had on the show. So uh, go listen to that. Share it with your friends. If you like it, make sure you subscribe. All the fun stuff. Please leave us a review. That would really help. A five-star review. Leave us a little comment. Um, that would be a fantastic. Um, anyway. And so tonight, you never know who else is going to be on. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've got some stuff lined up. Yep. Um. So tonight we're doing Unsolved Mysteries, yeah? Yes. Okay. So this is the last Unsolved Mysteries of of the Netflix. Volume three. Mm -hmm. The last episode. And this one was really, really hard to get through. So this is volume three, episode nine, Abducted by a Parent. Mm -hmm. How did you feel after watching this? Okay, so I watched it and I was just like... A part of me was not part not that I was skeptical necessarily because I was skeptical only because it's unsolved mysteries. I'll mm-hmm. say this because I, I I've come to not trust necessarily their their viewpoint, like their production of it. Right? Um, I, I don't necessarily trust their their 
their biases. Um, they're supposed to be presenting it in its true light. And I and I happen to have, you know, seen other documentaries as children of the underground, da, 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 da. Um, is, is parental abduction an actual thing? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Um, are there situations where um, the parent who's looking for the child maybe shouldn't have the child? Probably that's also accurate. And that's what the children of the underground was about um trying to help these people that are trying to stay away from their parent that's looking for them so there's the that's the other side and not saying that i i you know didn't believe it or anything like that i mean i do but um i i i automatically the the fact that i don't have like a soul and whatever soul i have is like cold and dead (laughs) black heart that i have i I don't get as i wasn't as emotionally invested in it as you got Mm -hmm. i'll say that so yeah i cried i watched it probably three times and i cried all three times (laughs) the episode has to do with parental objection Mm -hmm. um so and, and i can understand why it's it's more it might be more triggering for you than for me. Um, I mean, I guess theoretically that's a real risk for you, but you know, um, I don't know. No, it's not a risk for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no worries. Far from, far from that. Um, for me, it's just the fact that, uh, just as a mom, I don't know what I would do without my daughter. And I think the hardest part is the unknown of not knowing, you know, people lose their children to murder. They lose their children to all kinds of crazy, awful, horrible things. And these parents are left without any sort of answers. And that mm-hmm. to me is the worst part. I think about all of this, mm-hmm. um, not knowing like if my child were to go missing tomorrow, what would become of her? And right. that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So the episode starts off. We first meet uh, Dr. Rebecca Downey and we see her, you know they they show like a pool and kids playing in the pool and she says that she dreams about her kids sometimes they are in trouble and sometimes they're having fun and spending time together doing the things that they love and she says I love dreaming about my kids because they are actually there so already Mm -hmm. I'm like okay this Mm -hmm. is yeah yeah what's happening (laughs) like yeah uh, she then goes on to explain the history of her and her ex's relationship um Ahmed Kandil and she said that they met when she was 28 he was 30 she was preparing to go to med school and he was working on his mba they had a lot of fun together they did just like they like to do activities like sports outdoor types of stuff dancing and although they both grew up in different environments like he or or areas he grew up in egypt she grew up here um they culturally religiously they had differences they still were able to connect on on other levels so he grew up in cairo she grew up in berlin he was muslim she was christian after two years of dating uh, they got married and then nine months later had their daughter amina who was born september 1st uh, 2003 which was three weeks after she was starting med school. So that's crazy. Good for her. I know. Can we talk oh. about that? Like the, her and that for a minute? That, yeah. Like, she was having these kids and getting married while she was like getting into law, uh, med school and then going through med school and then in a residency and stuff. And it's just like, 
like I remember my OBGYN telling me that story of how she was like nine months pregnant when she was doing her you know residency and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, and, and there's a million, there's a million of them, you know, millions of female doctors that do this. Yeah. And and just like, you know, I could you're, so, you're amazing. Hard. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, my family law attorney said she strapped her newborn to her when she went to law school Mm -hmm. just brought her in the university of maryland i know i remember my uh, (laughs) girlfriend um was um (laughs) she was hoping she wasn't going to go into labor during her finals (laughs) oh god (laughs) you know because she was very very close and her daughter ended up being born like january 2nd or january 3rd or something and so her finals had been like i don't know it was right around there but um yeah (laughs) that's funny yeah my kid was four or five when um i graduated from law school mm. so i didn't do it with so i mean he was young but that's, that's I, even harder i think with a young <laughs> child i don't know i don't know what's worse well yeah but so law school though was like my full-time job right yeah i treated it like a full-time job i went to school you know and then I, like i came home picked up the kid you know because he went to daycare and you know my you know husband at the time was you know he had to go to to work and I would drop my kid off at daycare and then go to school and be there all day and then come home. And then I'd hand him off to his dad and go back to school for my evening class if I had one, you know, or whatever evening activities I may have. Or it's a tough stuff. life. Yeah. Yeah. So three weeks after she started med school, her daughter was born. And then January 4th, 2005, her son Bilal was born. And she starts talking about her kids' personalities and how Amina was just shy and sweet and Bilal was outgoing and talked to everyone. And at that moment, that's when I started crying again. And uh, we then meet her friend Daphne, who was a resident, I guess, with her in Boston. They both moved to Virginia around the same time. And they were very close. So their children would have dinners together, sleepovers. They just spent a lot of time together. And Daphne said that um Ahmed was a really really good husband and father to the children right up until the point where they got divorced and then he mm-hmm. he abducted their children to another country right right <laughs> and uh, isn't it always the case yeah <laughs> they're great yeah. up until that point <laughs> yep um Ahmed lost his job in Boston during the economic crisis and didn't want to get a job. So she, uh, Rebecca was saying his personality started to change. And yeah. she noticed that his like conservative religious beliefs were getting even more so conservative and religious. Didn't she say they were getting like going towards the extreme almost? At that time, I don't think she knew it was extreme, but she definitely noticed that it was becoming Yeah, it was getting worse. Yeah, it wasn't just yeah. like your typical conservative Muslim. It was right. like, yeah, going beyond Which is interesting to me because like in in that religion and everything you know the women tend to stay at home more so than Mm -hmm. the men and he refused to get a job so it's kind of like uh well okay i don't think that's part of he became he became an an entitled middle-aged man right (laughs) right um and so she decided she wanted to separate june of 2013 and it seemed like they were pretty amicable in the way that they decided to split the custody 50 50 mm-hmm. um, doing it. I think between themselves, I don't think lawyers were involved. I think they just worked it out, but she said occasionally he would 
kind of play games and like not answer his phone or just knew how to push her buttons when it came to the children, mm-hmm. which we hear about all the time. All the time. People using their children mm-hmm. to get back at the ex and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And things took a turn for wor- the worse on uh, um, August 28th, 2014. Uh, Ahmed was taking the children. Well, she thought was taking the children to Toronto to see his cousins for Amina's birthday. And she said, her son kind of just ran away into the car and her daughter gave her two kisses and she's just like normal. Like you're going to see him again soon, you know, like, Mm -hmm. all right, you're going up, you know, there's never been an issue before. Why would there be now? Why would you suddenly think? Right. And I'll see you. We'll celebrate your birthday and you get back. See you soon. Love you, whatever. And that was the last time she saw her children. Turns out (laughs) he didn't actually go to Toronto. They found out. Shocker um so that was august 28th on the 29th she texted ahmed to confirm that he would be back on september 1st on september 1st she tried calling him he never picked up she then tried calling hospitals in toronto and thought hey this was just another passive aggressive move on his part not allowing her to speak to her daughter on her birthday so she kind of brushed it off at that time but when it got really upsetting and strange was on september 2nd her kids were supposed to go back to school so of course rebecca calls the school and her children aren't there and that's when she the panic kind of set in and Mm -hmm. she became angry so uh rebecca's an anesthesiologist and she worked at a clinic that was really busy and she couldn't just leave but she eventually called ahmed's father ahmed's father in egypt and he said, I have no idea what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Sure. Yeah, of course. Sure you don't. Just protect my son yeah. and whatever his plans are. The patriarchal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to protect your boy. Of course you would. Of course. Um, but as a mom, she knew that that was a warning sign. I mean, she's an intellectual and she's a mom. So that didn't sit right with her. Mm-hmm. She called uh, her friend Daphne to check his house, Amid's house, to see if I don't know if there was any sign of the children, but not only were there no or cars the clues driveway or anything, yeah. Yeah, everything was out of the house and gone. Oh, yeah. Like everything mm-hmm. was gone. <laughs> and at that moment, I put in all caps, we see tears streaming down her face because I got emotional too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're like, I mean, everything just like the bottom drops out, right? Then you real like it all hits you about the extent of what's happening and how you know how how much planning must have gone into it and stuff and if it, it were a movie you would have that like flashback of like yeah. everything that would have you know as the, the person's realizing it you know the scenes of all of the things um can you so, imagine if he planned out getting a job as hard as he planned ki- kidnapping his kids i'm serious like i know he, he's not stupid like what what is he doing so yeah decided he was an entitled he was hanging out with those frat boy finance guys in new york too much yeah maybe and you know when they all lost their jobs in, in 2000 whatever eight it was like eight yeah 2008. it was right when i was graduating from law school because that's when i, I missed college oh so yeah i so i missed like it was like i'd already gotten my job secure and then the bottom fell out so thank god yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'd already secured my position thank god right um yeah uh so after that 
they she calls the police and they look at the flight records, which show that the kids did not fly to Canada, mm-hmm. but they flew from JFK through Kiev to Istanbul, Turkey. So now she's shocked and panicking even more. And it's a the a region in Turkey that is really close to Syria, which I think is important as well because yeah, it could include Syria, and Syria is sort of a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Country wise, you know. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Hey, Fraudcasters. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge. I know I've always had problems with it, whether it was the fit or the quality. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims, the maker of my perfect t-shirt bra. Now I have the perfect t-shirt to go with that bra. From either crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. My cotton jersey t-shirt is now a wardrobe staple for me. I reach for it almost every day, and the fit is so perfect because it snatches me right in at the waist. I've washed it a million times, and it's held its shape really well. It fits like a dream. I absolutely love it. And honestly, you guys, I thought, like, okay, this shirt is going to be too small for me, and it's not going to fit right, and all the bulges are going to show but it doesn't at all. I put it on and it magically stretches to fit me perfectly and it holds all those bulges in. Every little but last bulge that I have is all held in and it looks fantastic. I absolutely love it and it's super, super comfortable and it is it is one of my new favorite t-shirts. You can shop the Skims t-shirt collection at skims.com, now available in sizes extra, extra small up to 4X. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu. So in September 2014, the FBI become involved. And of course, a federal arrest warrant is issued. Mm-hmm. And the FBI agents decide to obviously look at his financial records to see if that if they would lead to any sort of clues as to where he yep, could be or what he would the be money. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, what Rebecca did find out in that investigation was that he spent a lot of money going to a survivalist camp before this was before leading up to his, you know, disappearance and kidnapping. And he also learned how to shoot guns, which wasn't his thing. She said he was never really into guns. So that was fairly alarming. This all to me sounds like a soft way of saying like a dog whistly almost way of saying he went to like whatever, like the you know jihad boot camp type things mm-hmm. you know the the um indoctrination extremism do- doctrination that happens yeah um it's a, that's what it sounds like it sounds like a nice way of saying that a survivalist camp and learning to shoot guns like that's all the stuff that those guys do you know yeah definitely in some cases teach them to fly planes you know <laughs> right 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 and so then the fbi knew at that point that he had a plan before he left the countries <laughs> duh yep. Right. And so what was interesting is Amina's iPad was used uh, to check her email in December 2014. And that's when they located the IP address to the Renhali, which was close to the, the city, close to Tur- um In Turkey, close Syria. to Syria. Yeah. So that at least pinpoints a location as to where they could potentially be. And Rebecca's thinking, well, he probably joined a terrorist group. That's most likely what's going on. Yeah. 
And she hired three private investigators, contacted her congressman and senator to try to help her locate her children, making a web page, doing everything she can in her power to locate her children. So then we fast forward a year. So it's September 2015. When she receives this email, just wanted to let you know that they are well and doing <laughs> great. We live on a small farm and they are loving it. They got all kinds of animals and it's keeping them busy. I understand you must be angry at me, but you left me no other choice. I knew long before you, I knew long before you for a divorce that is coming. I don't even know if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. I was going to wait until you find a job somewhere and take full custody of them. So once they are old enough and can distinguish right from wrong, they will contact you. And at that right age, they can decide where they want to live. That's like the biggest F you. This motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Narcissistic, blaming, gaslighting. Like this is like, well, I knew you were going to take them. This is all basically your fault. This is all your fault. You drove me to yeah. kidnap our kids and, and go train with a terrorist organization and take our kids to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh. So in a way, she was happy, obviously, because she knew that her kids were OK, or at least she believed that. Uh, but then what really scared her in that message was that she knew that they were being heavily influenced, mm -hmm. um, which makes sense. I'm saying that once they can distinguish right from wrong, they will contact you like, OK, so you're going to indoctrinate them right mm -hmm. and parental alienation tell them all kinds of things about her that are lies mm -hmm. yep and so she did hire a pi in turkey who was able to find possibly the internet cafe where that email was sent out mm -hmm. but unfortunately there was no other information from anyone the fbi the pi to lead to any area of where they could be or who would have them besides the, you know, her ex, um, mm -hmm. who would help support them. Mm -hmm. She did find out though, that he had applied for an Egyptian ID card and registered his address at his parents' house. So I'm not sure. <laughs> his parents are totally helping him. Of course they are. Of course. Um, and then of course, what's sad also is in Egypt, parental kidnapping is not considered a crime and the right, father can decide mm -hmm. yep, what he wants to do with the children. So I'm sure her screams and helps, you know, help me, help me are not being heard because she's right. a woman and it's not considered parental kidnapping. Right. <laughs> so that's scary. So that is left with, uh, you know, if you know anything about their whereabouts or anything about it, um, you know, please contact Unsolved. All that, that link, the Unsolved link will be down in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And so Daphne thinks that maybe... Uh, maybe the kids think she's dead and we see at the very end Rebecca reading her journal that she's been keeping since her children have been gone writing in, writing into the journal every day to her children mm -hmm. in order to feel close to them and the Unsolved Mysteries did post uh, the pictures of what the age progressive pictures of the children what they could possibly look like now mm -hmm. so I know like you said it'll be linked Yep, and we'll post those pictures and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we learned that Amina and Belial are just two of the thousands of children abducted by parents in the U.S. each year. Yeah. Which is so sad. Yeah. And then we then meet 
uh, baby Aziz, who's born to Abdul Khan. Mm-hmm. And he has been missing since 2017. Um, he was born on November 13th, 2010. And Abdul said his ex, uh, Rabia, had a very strong personality, didn't get along with the family. She uh, wasn't able to really keep a job. She kept quitting every job for dumb excuses. <laughs> so I thought she really just didn't get along with people. Didn't she's, yeah, I just yeah. Mm-hmm. She's very pretty. I mean, she looked like pretty, and I'm just like, hmm, I don't know. She's clearly uh, a mess, though. <laughs> she's clearly a sociopath, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, when a woman, we'll get to that later, but when a woman makes up abuse claims, false uh, allegations, in order to skew the courts that's when i get really really angry yes so in april 2014 they decide to separate she went to atlanta to be closer to her family and um she kept putting up roadblocks to not let abdul see aziz um she even blocked aziz from seeing him at all and he had to go to court to file to see his own child Mm -hmm. so after all the gameplays of going back and forth and all the fights, the court actually recommended that he get he got custody. custody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was granted custody. So she became course, the non-custodial custodial parent or whatever. <laughs> right. And oh, okay. So um that's when she said all of a sudden there was abuse claims from him and his family, which interesting that that came out so late in the game after being in court so many times and no abuse claims had come before that. Right. So, Suddenly now mm. she's she's claiming him. Yeah. Right. And so the day that he showed up to court to get his son, Rabia didn't show up. And um apparently she was dating a new man. Not a good guy. He looked like sorry, I don't have my glass. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking about glasses. Uh, yeah. And I've been like shorthanding my notes which if you know it's not good sometimes yeah um where are we at with them let me see elliot bouchard bouchard <laughs> bouchard is her boyfriend slash new husband actually um and it was interesting too because she fired three of her lawyers and they decided to represent themselves in court which right is crazy in my opinion but to yes. each of them yes and they had um, surveillance. He had surveillance on. Did we talk about that yet? The surveillance he had on her. No, not yet. Before she abducted him. Okay. Nope. But uh, what they did, what they found out too, was the school hadn't seen him in a couple of weeks. So it was possible she kidnapped Aziz a couple of weeks before the court date, and uh, and left town. What they did find when he hired a PI was that. They sold their car at CarMax in 2017 in Atlanta, abandoned their apartment, and deleted all of their social medias. There's been no trail of any sort of financial anything. Anything They've, of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, they they completely changed their identities. They had to have, mm-hmm. right, to, to not have any kind of contact. Like, the other guy he sent the email and they were able to sort of get him narrowed down an IP address general and stuff. But with the, this couple, like they just, they completely changed identities because yeah. there's nothing. And what sucks about these 
cases too, is we're heading into COVID times when everyone's on lockdown, people aren't doing as deep and thorough of investigations, I feel like. So mm-hmm. these people could have literally been hiding in plain sight. Right. And during so, COVID, it was yeah. so easy to hide because, I mean, everybody we've, we've talked about this with other cases that, you know, it's so easy, you know, lockdown, everybody's locked down. No one's expecting to see anybody anywhere. And when you did venture out, you had a mask on and, you know, right. maybe a hat, you know, no one's going to know what you well, look And like. even now, like a lot of people aren't wearing masks, but I don't ever look They're, at somebody in the store with a mask on and be like, why are they wearing a mask? It doesn't even, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't even, register. Yeah. So you could be wearing masks for the next 10 years and nobody's going to think twice about it. Nope. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. It's just such a common thing now when, you know, people can wear them if, mm-hmm. if that's what makes them feel comfortable, you know? And so I was looking up, you know, different threads, newspaper articles, trying to find something. And there isn't a lot of information on both of these cases. No one's been found. Warrants are still out. And that's it. We don't really have any information. So I'm hoping somebody can see these pictures and maybe recognize someone. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, I don't know. I felt like, I mean, it's, it's certainly a good topic, but I feel like um, unsolved mysteries kind of phoned it in with this one. Also, um, you know, the, these are good stories, you know, to get out there um, certainly and, and to bring awareness to the topic and things like that. And there, there are other, you know, on these um, pages on the unsolved page and the Netflix page, they have pictures and, and stories of others other parental kidnappings mm-hmm. um and age like, progressed photos right of several other and stuff and so i think all of that is good you know to mm-hmm. bring awareness to these families and 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 whatnot um but as far as like a like heavy content like ooh, lots lots to talk about like we'd have in other episodes of unsolved mysteries i feel like this one was was a miss for me on that regard you know yeah they're good stories they're good stories to get out there but as far as there's not a lot, lot of detail meat, we don't have a lot, a lot of, of to them yeah, yeah. right which I'm hoping, in that, and that's why just getting the word out, spreading up, mm-hmm. spreading more information about parental kidnapping, right? In general, yeah, and just get those other pictures of those children out too. So I encourage you, if you're listening to this, to share with your friends the story, so the pictures of the children can get out to even more people. Because there are, um, a lot- yeah. Yeah, sure. that's what that's what we, we we would ask. And thank you guys for listening, tuning into um our unsolved mysteries series. Um, but that brings us to the end of this season. So we have to move on to something else. I what know. are we gonna what are we gonna watch instead? Are we gonna go to another series? Are we gonna go to another like uh, I'm down for doing like documentary like documentaries rather just than a do, series like different like full-length documentaries or like you know just different things like that or like a specific series like we do here with unsolved mysteries or we just line up a bunch of different mystery type episodes of or documentaries or whatever i'm down for whatever i want to know what the people want yeah i'm curious i'm curious to know what the people besides want. the gypsies because we'll try to do that but we'll see if there's something we can do with gypsies but yeah um that might be something better suited for like interesting conversations with interesting people like thread of, yeah. of episodes that that were um starting in 
we're we're going to continue with uh, you know to to talk about gypsies in general and all that that might be a you know that would actually be a really fascinating i think topic for that regards but like as far as covering stories like there's a you know there's always documentaries out there it's a lot that we want to cover we want to cover you wanted to cover keith ranieri trial even though that's kind of older nexium cult stuff yeah i don't know about that anymore it was interesting while i watched it then i'm kind of like eh. yeah um i know we've got some coverage coming up on the murdoch trials the murdoch mm-hmm. murders that's that's wild that yeah is... we have got um criminal defense attorney coming on to discuss it um not one personally involved in the case but brings <laughs> brings a uh, great perspective um, so we're gonna we're gonna have that coming up. We've got some um other great interviews lined up with some other really cool people from various reality TV areas. Um I got some MSNBC lockup people coming on the show. Um and we've got we've got a show called Lost Island that um was on was it on Showtime, Hulu, something like that. Um didn't get a lot of fanfare, but I got someone from there lined up. We got we got a lot of really interesting stuff coming up, but we also want to cover, you know, some other TV type stuff too. Um, so um let us know what you want us to cover. In the meantime, you know, I guess we'll just keep churning out stuff on the documentaries that we are watching right now, you know. I guess. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hey, fraudcasters. You know, I used to find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. They were the first thing to take off when I got home. But Skims has changed all that. You guys know I love my Skims Fits Everybody t-shirt bras. I own them in just about every shade now. I wear them every single day when I leave the house. And they are completely worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I was not expecting from them was how comfortable they are. Even the underwire bras that I wear all day, I barely even notice. Definitely not the first thing I take off when I come home anymore. Y'all, I'm a 36 double D and I've had a reduction and I've gone up and down and lost weight and gained weight and all the things. And the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, I swear, fits me the best. I finally found a t-shirt bra that I can wear, but not only that, it is the best bra that I own. It holds the girls in so well. And let me just say, Hetero Life Mate really appreciates these bras too. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes from a 30A to a 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, please be sure to let them know that we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show, The Fraudcast, in the drop-down menu that follows.